The Foreign Relations Committee will come to order. We pride ourselves on uh, starting meetings exactly on time. We've had a few entrepreneurial things happen over the last few minutes, and, uh, and therefore we're discussing uh, a way forward for this. So the committee will come to order today. We're going to discuss the, uh, the nomination of Mike Pompeo to be the next Secretary of State. We're also going to consider two other nominations and five Foreign Service officer lists. I'm going to make some comments about uh, our nominee and I'm going to ask Senator Menendez to do the same. And then I would ask other members who wish to speak to the nomination to do so when the actual, when the actual vote takes place. I know that everyone has, most everyone has sent out a statement. Um, hopefully not everyone will need to speak, but I certainly want to accommodate people who wish to do so. Before speaking in support of our Secretary of State nominee, I want to talk a little bit about our committee very briefly. This committee was established in 1816. It's one of the original standing committees of the Senate. We hold jurisdiction over legislation concerning the conduct of U.S. foreign policy, including foreign assistance, treaties, declarations of war, among other matters. We're also responsible for the oversight of the State Department, review executive branch nominations that carry out U.S. policy, including the Secretary of State. And as we know, I mean, this committee has been an island in a sea of partisanship. Uh, we have continued to conduct our business in a very bipartisan way, always, always, beginning uh, with Republicans and Democrats working together to come to a good end. I want to give a little history on nomination votes. John Kerry was concerned, confirmed by a vote of 94 to 3 on the Senate floor. This committee favorably reported his nomination unanimously. Hillary Clinton was confirmed by a vote of 94 to 2 on the Senate floor. We, we voted her out 16 to 1. Condoleezza Rice was confirmed by a vote of 85 to 13 on the Senate floor. This committee favorably reported her nomination 16 to 2. Both this committee and the full Senate unanimously voted in favor of Colin Powell's nomination. Now to our nominee and to his qualifications. He graduated first in his class at West Point, first in his class. He served our nation in uniform as a cavalry officer patrolling the Iron Curtain before the fall of the Berlin Wall. And as he testified in this committee, it was there he learned the power of diplomacy and the effect that we can have on the world through appropriate diplomacy. I think all of us know those men and women who've worn the uniform, the people that we hold on the highest pedestal. We know that they more than anyone respect diplomacy because they know if it's successful, it's the thing that keeps our men and women out of harm's way. Mike Pompeo knows that. He stated that clearly with conviction, and I think we all know that. He graduated from Harvard Law School, having been an editor of the Harvard Law Review. That was after serving in the military. He founded his own company, serving as CEO for more than a decade, and later served as president of a second company. He was elected four times to the House of Representatives, where he served the people of Kansas in the 4th District. Let me say this. I know that some things have been said about comments made. 
during his service and on campaigns. Um, I would imagine that all of us have said some things in hot moments. I have to believe absolutely that Secretary Clinton, when she ran for president, Secretary Kerry, when he ran for president, had to have said some things that maybe would have met the objection of people on the other side of the aisle, but they were confirmed overwhelmingly. For the last 15 months, he served our nation as director of the Central Intelligence Agency. There is probably no one in the United States that knows more about what's happening around the world today than Mike Pompeo. He's developed a culture there. He meets with the employees there. We know the State Department has tremendous issues right now with culture. We know that. And we know he's built the kind of culture at the CIA where the employees at the State Department are anxious to have him there. They know what he's done at the CIA. Many people on both sides of the aisle have lavished praise on him for what he has done there. He knows how to develop the kind of culture at the State Department to leverage, to leverage. I have to say one other thing. The last two secretaries of state were my friends. I'm talking about in the previous administration. Actually, the last three secretaries of state have been my friends. One of the things that they have lacked, I think it's widely acknowledged, is they didn't really have a good relationship with the president. Each of them made sure we knew that they felt differently about what was happening than what was happening. So this will be the first time in four nominees that we actually have a nominee that has a relationship with the president, where the president listens to what they have to say. So with that, I just want to say I cannot imagine, and maybe I've, I've overstated that last point. Let me just put it this way. He has a very good relationship with the president. That is somewhat different than the last three secretaries of state that we've had. So let me just uh, say I can't imagine, I can't imagine having someone more qualified to be secretary of state. I know that, I know what the outcome is possibly going to be here today. And there's a lot I could say, but, but I don't want to say it. I, I don't want to harden positions. We've got tremendous amounts of work to do together. I understand the climate that we're in. I understand the, the polarization that we have as a nation. Um, and I'm hopeful that yet, this evening, that we're going to do something positive for our nation and handle ourselves in a manner that sends the right signal. There's a NATO meeting Friday. NATO meeting Friday. If this will be the first time, I think, that we, we will have not had a Secretary of State at a meeting like this uh, in modern times. And so I'm hopeful that tonight we'll be successful in, in sending him out. I'm hopeful that we'll be successful on the floor this week in confirming him. I strongly support this nominee. 
I cannot imagine us, imagine us having a more currently qualified Secretary of State. And I urge all of us to vote yes. And with that, I'll turn to my, to my friend, our distinguished ranking member, Senator Menendez. Uh, Mr. Chairman, um, let me uh, say a few things uh, about the nominee. But before I do, let me just say that uh, Democrats on this committee have overwhelmingly worked with you uh, in moving nominations, in being constructively part of hearings, uh, in voting for a wide range of nominations. Uh, many of us, including myself, have voted for uh, the president's nominees uh, for cabinet members, from the Secretary of Defense to the previous Secretary of Homeland Security, now the Chief of Staff, to the president, to the Small Business Administrator, to the Transportation Secretary. So this, this suggestion that uh, there is a partisanship simply because you do not support a nominee is ridiculous, based upon the facts. And it isn't uh, the Article I rights of the Congress, which, as you know from the previous administration and my comments, uh, very strongly uh, as it relates to the previous administration on some issues, uh, that I believe strongly that the Congress plays a vital role in the check and balance uh, on any executive branch. Uh, and, uh, I, and I believe that. Uh, regardless of who is sitting in the White House. Uh, that's what Article I is all about. Now, I'm genuinely disappointed to have to cast a vote uh, against a Secretary of State nominee. But at the end of the day, as I considered Director Pompeo's nomination, including his hearing, his past statements, his recent revelations, uh, I do not have a satisfactory answer on the question, which Mike Pompeo am I voting on? Unfortunately, during his hearing, Director Pompeo offered contradictory statements. He was less than forthcoming when he was pressed on a number of issues. Given the opportunity to outline the strategies he would advocate to the president and to the country to deal with Russia, with Iran, with North Korea, with China, or Venezuela, he failed to exhibit the depth of knowledge or thoughtfulness about what those strategies would be. Clearly, any nominee would know that those would be hotspots in the world, which would have to be addressed before the committee. Truthfulness and the willingness to be forthcoming to this committee are essential, in my view, for a Secretary of State nominee. But on both his interview with Special Counsel Mueller about Russia and his non-disclosure of his trip to North Korea, even in a classified setting where he would have had that opportunity, both critical issues before this committee, both of which members on both sides of the aisle peppered him with questions about. He exhibited that he was suited more to be the CIA director than the Secretary of State because he wanted to be clandestine at the end of the day. I don't expect the cabinet secretary to publicly disagree with the president. Indeed, it is his or her duty to carry out the president's agenda. But as policies are being worked out, I remain skeptical of the kind of diplomat that Director Pompeo would be, whether he would be willing to push back on the president's worst instincts, whether he'd be willing to say no, or whether he would simply be a yes man. When the president blames Russia's aggressive behavior on Democrats, on Democrats, 
Will Director Pompeo remind him that Russia's aggressive behavior is about Russia and its attacks upon our country, something that doesn't seem to be able to come off the lips of the president? When the president wants to call Mexicans drug traffickers and rapists, as our nation's top diplomat, would Director Pompeo advise him not to? Or would Pompeo, who once called a political opponent a, quote, turban topper, prevail? As our nation's top diplomat, would Director Pompeo genuinely promote American values of universal equality and individual human dignity? Or will we be represented by Congressman Pompeo, who voted against the Violence Against Women's Act to deny support to victims of gender-based violence and sponsored legislation to roll back marriage equality. As I've said before, I believe it's imperative for the Secretary of State to be forthright, to be someone in whom the American people and our allies can vest faith and trust. Unfortunately, I do not believe Director Pompeo is someone who will always prioritize diplomacy over conflict, particularly in the context of the aggressive foreign policy voices growing around him. I'm particularly concerned because of his past comments on regime change in North Korea and Iran, for example. So these are the legitimate concerns that I and many of my colleagues have. Uh, they can express their own views as to why. Uh, and I appreciate that uh, in your comments, Mr. Chairman, you say that uh, Director Pompeo has a great relationship with the president. I do believe that being able to speak on behalf of the president and not be undercut, as his former Secretary of State was, is important. But does that great relationship uh, mean that you value the relationship more than the truth? Does that great relationship has, have you hesitant to push back and say, Mr. President, this is not the best way to proceed? Uh, I wonder. Now, we didn't choose that there's a NATO meeting this Friday. We didn't choose when the president fired Secretary of State Tillerson on the timing of that. We didn't choose as to when he nominated Director Pompeo. We didn't choose as to when Director Pompeo got all his information in on his questionnaire. We didn't choose when he got his answers to the questions that were proffered to him by members of the committee. So while I appreciate that there's a NATO summit, uh, it is, I think, not fair to suggest that, uh, you know, that is the uh, essence of why, you know, we have to cast a vote, an affirmative vote, for a nominee who otherwise, in many of our views, is, is flawed. Um, and, you know, I would just say we cleared uh, today's vote. We cleared a second meeting in case there was a need for a second meeting tomorrow. Um, you know, some people said they were voting no, maybe they're voting yes today, but the bottom line is in anticipation, in order to give a fair opportunity to this nominee, we cleared a hearing today, a, a meeting notice. We cleared a meeting notice for tomorrow too. I think putting that all in context is important for people to understand. This is not about simply being uh, uh, adversary to the president. This is about the due diligence of Article One and the views as to whether or not this is a Secretary of State nominee who deserves the votes uh, of each and every member. I don't normally do this. Um, we have some people, though, they're in traffic um, and on both sides of the aisle, and I want to accommodate them. I know this is a, uh, an important vote for, for all members. So we typically would make comments at the time of vote. I know that there are members that want to speak to, uh, to this nominee. And uh, what I'd like to do is go ahead and begin doing that. Um, 
and we'll take care of some of the minor business if we complete that and they're still not here. But uh, again, and, uh, I'm more than glad to hear from other members on this nomination. Senator Ray. Mr. Chairman. Uh, Mr. Chairman, first of all, let me say that I'm, I'm a little surprised to hear Senator Menendez say that he's holding the, uh, the trip that uh, Mr. Pompeo made to North Korea against him uh, because he was acting more like a CIA director than a Secretary of State. Well, he is the CIA director, and the President of the United States tasked him to do a job, uh, and he did it, and, uh, and did it well. Uh, let me say that obviously I'm going to vote uh, for Mike Pompeo, but uh, I, I look at the service here in the United States Senate a little differently through a different prism, I think, than a lot of people do. Three of my committees are this committee, intelligence, and the uh, ethics committee. And I see a tremendous amount of bipartisanship on those three committees that no one ever sees. And uh, I, I tell people that, uh, that on those uh, issues that come before those three committees, we really do act in a bipartisan nature. Um, I'm, I'm concerned that the vote here today is a step backwards for this committee in that regard. As the, as the chairman pointed out, the uh, two secretaries of state that uh, uh, President Obama had, from a philosophical standpoint, couldn't be more diametrically opposed from the philosophical view I have of the world. And yet I voted for, uh, for both of those nominees and uh, for, because I believe that the President of the United States uh, has the right to choose these people and under normal circumstances, uh, uh, there, there really isn't any reason not to allow him to have the national security team around him that he, that he chooses. Um, as far as Mike Pompeo is concerned, obviously we, a lot of us worked with him when he was uh, in, the, in the House. Uh, but uh, on top of that, Senator Rubio and I are the only two members of this committee that sit on the Intelligence Committee as well as here. And we've worked with a number of CIA directors, and I can tell you that uh, the, the uh, work of the uh, Intelligence Committee is uh, very much tied to an oversight role. And that oversight role only happens when you have a director who is very forthcoming. Obviously, there's 17 intelligence committees, but the CIA is arguably the most uh, robust one of, of the bunch and the one that needs, uh, needs the oversight. Mike Pompeo has been incredibly uh, helpful to us on that committee. He's been very forthcoming. I've never seen him drag his feet at all uh, withholding information from members of that committee who have to make a decision uh, on uh, oversight matters. So I'm, I'm, I, I can't think of anyone uh, uh, that I would feel more comfortable with as far as knowing what's going on in the world today. Uh, we all get a lot of that here, but when you sit on the Intelligence Committee, you drill down deep into the weeds, in the, particularly in the trouble spots. Mike Pompeo knows that backwards, forwards, and inside out. He will be speaking for the President when he travels. Uh, he's the appropriate person for that. I'll be voting yes. Thank you, Mr. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Senator Cardin. Well, thank you, Mr. Chairman. Our nation faces serious challenges around the world. I don't think anybody would dispute that. The dangers of North Korea, the dangers of Russia, Iran, Syria, Venezuela, China Seas. We have tremendous challenges. We also have a president who conducts foreign policy in a different way. I think we would all agree to that. So that's why it's critically important that the Secretary of State be an independent voice in the White House. And I must tell you, uh, listening to his testimony before our committee, looking to, to his answers to the questions for the record and the personal meetings I had with him, uh, I am concerned about that. 
And let me just give you a couple examples. We want the Secretary of State to be the chief diplomat for America. Diplomacy must always be first in his, uh, in his mind. And yet, when we asked him questions, and when I asked him questions, and others did, on a couple critical issues, he gives answers that is anything but putting diplomacy first. I talked, and he's, he's CIA director, so I assume he knows pretty much a lot about Europe and what's happening with Iran and how our, how our allies feel and the need for the United States to engage internationally. I assume that he heard our uh, our Joint Chief say that if the United States were to unilaterally pull out of the Iran agreement uh, without, with Iran being in compliance, that that would make it extremely difficult for America to be able to enter into other agreements that countries would have confidence in, referring to North Korea. So as the person who wants to be our chief diplomat, it was hard for me to understand how he could prefer the United States pulling out of the Iran agreement with the Europeans disagreeing with our decision. I specifically asked him that question. You know, obviously, if we have the support of Europe, it's a different story. But he made it very clear that it would be okay for the United States to act on its own in regards to pulling out of the Iran agreement. Now, Mr. Chairman, you know, you and I agreed we didn't like the agreement. But I would hope that we would all agree we don't want the United States to be isolated, particularly if Iran's in compliance. And as we have talked to our diplomats, I think they all agree that we need to be engaged in diplomacy. That, that's a pretty fundamental point. The second point, and Secretary Tillerson was pretty direct about this, about the United States participating in the climate talks. Climate talks are interesting because they are voluntary compliance to individually set goals in which the president could change at any time. But the president has chosen to withdraw from the Paris climate talks, the only country in the world. And I know it's the president's call, and I, I said that directly to uh, Mr. Pompeo. It's the president's call, and you follow the president's instructions. I understand that. But how do you feel about it? And he said very clearly he agrees that the United States should have withdrawn from, the, the, from these conversations. So I think all those raise fundamental questions. And I, I know, Mr. Chairman, we all say things we don't, that we wish we didn't say, uh, but Mr. Pompeo didn't retract the statements he said about Muslim leaders, which I find to be very troublesome in, in trying to uh, have the next Secretary of State who will be representing our country uh, to the world that's very diverse. So I just really want to sort of end on this point. I don't question the motives of any member of this committee as to how you vote on any of the nominations that are before you. I have the deepest respect for every single member of this committee, and I mean that sincerely. And there are many issues that go into making those decisions. So I don't accuse you of any partisan politics as to how you decide to vote on this nominee. And I hope you would respect the way we go about, I go about making my decisions on a nominee. Because I, I'd spend a lot of time particularly on a Secretary of State, to come to a judgment. I take our Article I responsibilities very seriously of voice and consent to the President of the United States. And I think it's important each one of us exercise that independent judgment. That's also part of the tradition of this great committee. And yes, I am proud that this committee has put our national security first ahead of partisan politics over and over and over again. And I expect that we'll continue to do that. 
We have to make a decision today, and I respect the way each of us make that decision. Thank you. Senator Rubio. Thank you, uh, Mr. Chairman. I actually am in a unique position. I've, I considered voting against the two previous Secretary of State nominees, John Kerry, who I had worked with. He sat right in that chair because I disagreed with him on many public policy decisions and, and, and in fact, went forward and did many of the things that I thought he might do as Secretary of State. Um, and then Rex Tillerson, who was here before us not long ago. I wasn't comfortable that he was committed to human rights the way I wanted him to be committed and, um, and among some other things. And in both instances, it caused me to kind of go back and review what it is our function is. And perhaps that's, I'm not saying perhaps I'm wrong about what I think our function is, but I'll share what I, what I hope and believe our function should be when we talk about advice and consent because on the one hand, there are those who argue that our role is to sort of vote for people based on whether or not they're the kind of person we would have picked if we were president. And the other is whether our job is to basically vet the president's preference to see if they are qualified and capable and making sure there's nothing disqualifying against them. And then also with the view, however, that the more important the position, the more deference a president should deserve. So if this was a subsecretary of something, the standard might not be as deferential as it would be someone who actually is in the line of secession and also works directly with the president. Uh, the chairman's already outlined, when it comes to qualifications, irrespective of whether or not uh, we may agree with them on public policy, I don't think anyone could make a credible argument that Mike Pompeo is not intellectually qualified and doesn't bring experience to this position uh, that I think are on par with any of the recent nominees that, uh, that have been offered up to this post, and in many cases exceeds it. The chairman's pointed out, he graduated top of his class at West Point. Uh, which we all know what that means. But not only that, he graduated in Harvard, very high. It was actually the editor of the Law Review, which for those who have gone to law school know it's, it's a pretty prestigious spot in which to land. Then he was successful in business. Then he was a successful member of Congress, despite the seniority system that exists there. And now at the CIA, where Senator Rich has just pointed out, whether you like his views on issues or not, I can tell you the intelligence community has faced some very difficult times publicly and internally in the last couple years, he's done a phenomenal job, at least in leading the organization from a morale standpoint, a personnel standpoint. If he hadn't been, I assure you, we would have been hearing a lot about it in regards to this. So what it boils down to, and some of the arguments I hear, and obviously we're all entitled to arrive at our position through different criteria, but the arguments I've heard in opposition to him is, I just don't agree with him on a, on a public policy. And the problem is the president is entitled to have people in his cabinet that agree with him or share his worldview on public policy. Um, imagine for a moment if any of us were required to assemble a Senate staff, which is not a cabinet post, but we were forced to take staffers that not only disagreed with us, but were willing to do so publicly in forums such as this for purposes even before they came to work for us. It's a very difficult spot to be in. I just personally believe that assuming that someone is qualified and there's no disqualifying aspects of them, ethical or otherwise, that the president deserves to have a secretary of state that agrees with him or her in general on a foreign policy direction. It's the only way they can be expected to conduct the foreign policy of this country. And I would add to that one more point, which, which uh, the, chair, the chairman also pointed to, and that is how critical it is that when a secretary of state travels abroad and meets with someone on behalf of the United States, that the person on the other side realizes that this is someone who has the president's ear and the president trusts and listens to. They're not just there symbolically, they are truly someone that has uh, a relationship with the president, and that's incredibly important in order to be successful. So I, I would urge everyone to support him. I truly do not, cannot imagine a better nominee at this moment in, in, the, in the universe of people out there that's available. 
Thank you, Mr. Chairman. I'd like for it to be noted that if I were to call the vote right now, which I can do, we would vote him out positively. Now, Senator Coons is not here, and we operate in good faith. So I'm going to wait and hold the vote until he gets here. I know it's important for him. His flight to Washington was canceled. He ended. So I'm, I just want everyone to understand I could call the vote right now. He would be voted out positively based on what I know members are going to do. But I'm going to wait until Coons gets here. But after we vote, because Johnny Isaacson is not here, I'm also going to be asking uh, for indulgence. But uh, just note, let it be noted um, for a committee that acts in good faith with each other. I told Senator Coons that I would wait until he was here to have the vote. Um, does anyone else wish to speak? Senator Shane. Well, Mr. Chairman, I'm, I'm not going to relitigate um, Mike Pompeo's qualifications or not, but I do want to raise the concern that Senator Cardin raised about motives. I don't think it's in any of our interests to question each other's motives for how we made a decision and for what we view as our responsibilities on this committee. So I, I would... You talked about the number of nominees who had very high numbers of votes from the Senate. There are a number of people who I can think of who this president could have nominated who I would be very happy to vote for. So I, I, I think it's hard to make that case and that we're all better off if we assume that we're each trying to act in good faith on these nominees and, um, and not call into question people's motives for making decisions. Right, 100%. Does anyone else wish to speak? If, if we're, gonna keep, if we're gonna keep going with speeches, I'll speak in order. Well, I don't so, really, now that we've, uh, I don't know of any other member that is coming, so we, we no longer need to uh, prolong this, but if well, people let's, wish let's, to. I'd say let's vote. Okay. I know there's a member. Turn, right? okay. we'll, let's, let's do it afterwards, though. I mean, otherwise, okay. I'll speak in turn. Senator Paul. We've been at war for too long in too many places, and I think that if we were ever to have less war, we must come to understand that regime change doesn't work that often regime change has actually made things worse. And so, as many of you know, I've been opposed to this nomination for a long time. To me, the most important event in foreign policy of the past two decades has been the Iraq War. And the president has repeatedly, 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 for years, even before he was a candidate, said the Iraq War was a mistake. To me, it's the one thing you have to understand if we're to move forward, that the Iraq War was a mistake. Regime change in Iraq made things worse. It emboldened Iran, made Iran worse, and all the same people who wanted to go to war in Iraq now want to go to war in Iran. But regime change didn't make us safer. It made the world and the Middle East more chaotic. We did the same thing in Libya, for goodness sakes. You know, there are many who are saying, 
oh, we, we have to topple Assad. We can't get rid of ISIS until we topple Assad. And then it turns out that when we turned our attention from Assad to ISIS, we actually did get rid of ISIS. Regime change hasn't worked. I've somewhat um, jokingly said, oh, when Gaddafi's gone, what are they going to do, elect Jefferson? They don't have Jefferson. They don't have a history of our, our Western uh, mores or Western ideas of democracy. We're not getting better, and sometimes we get worse. One of Iran's best allies, or Iraq's best ally now, is Iran, maybe sometimes more so than us. So we have to understand that the backfire. The president understood this, and my fear has always been that, the, that uh, Director Pompeo doesn't share that point of view. I asked him here, and he said, oh, it was a long time ago. But I've talked to him again and again and again, and I've talked to the president again and again and again, and what I hear from the president is no one's changing his mind. Many of these wars were ill-advised, and his goal is really to get us out of many of these wars. That's a, that's a goal I share. And so I actually want Trump to be Trump. I want people around him who actually will give him the advice and not try to persuade him that perpetual war is the answer to things. We all have a variety of opinions and beliefs on whether we think which way the president's going in a good direction or a bad. Some on my side would like to go and stay forever. But I want people to understand, not only in the country, but I hope that the director will understand this. And he assures me that he, has, he does understand that the Iraq war was a mistake. I'd like to hear it a little bit more uh, verbally to others other than myself, but that's what I'm hearing. I'm hearing that from the president. The other misgiving I've had with Pompeo has been his ideas on surveillance. He talked about having a database that would have lifestyle choices in that. I'm absolutely and unquestionably, unequivocally opposed to more databases by the government, particularly a government that follows our lifestyle. I think that's just a recipe for, for 1984 on steroids. But I've talked to both the director on this and to the president again today. And um, I haven't been given anything or promised anything. I don't get a bridge built somewhere. But I have asked that we consider you know, the liberty of the individual in the Constitution. And I have been assured by the president that there will be a discussion. The president has every bit of power within his, every bit of power to uh, change the rules on who requires a warrant. We, we can do it here. Or the president could simply say tomorrow that the FBI has to get a warrant to search databases that were collected with a less than constitutional standard. We collect stuff in the 702 database and the 12333 database that are collected without warrants because we collect them on foreigners. I'm actually okay with that, but I'm not okay with them searching the database to see if you're a Trump supporter or to see if you're a Democrat supporter, depending on who's in power or to see if you are uh, someone who might not have uh, filled out their tax forms correctly. I think these uh, databases can be abused, and the president has assured me that there is going to be a discussion and that we will be involved with a discussion of things that the administration can do to try to have Fourth Amendment protections for Americans. And so with all that being said, I have changed my mind. I have, I've decided to go ahead and vote for Director Pompeo because uh, he's assured me that he's learned the lesson. Now, time will tell if those assurances are true or not, and I won't say that I can say with absolute certainty I know what his opinions will be and how they will come out over time, but I do take him at his word that uh, he does and has incorporated the idea that the Iraq war was a mistake. And I think that is a step forward, particularly for our side to have anybody say that, because I'm sure if we had a vote on my side, I would probably lose that vote in the committee even. But I do think that the, the country understands that the Afghan war has gone on for 18 years and they're ready for some other ideas. Um, 
I hope that they'll let Trump be Trump and that Pompeo will be a constructive influence and not a destructive one. But from what I've uh, been told and, and listened to with the director, I think that he is open and understands that his job is, is that the president is his boss and will listen. And I hope that all of us, the country really will, will rethink uh, how many wars we need to be involved in and whether they're constructive or destructive. Thank you. Thank you. Unless someone really needs to talk, I would like to go on with the vote, but if someone really feels the need to express themselves, we're going to, I'll stay here as long as people wish to express Mr. themselves. Mr. Chairman, I'd be happy to make it brief. All right, sir. I feel that there are three concerns, that there is a conflict of interest, that there is lack of respect for the rule of law, and there's a question of suitability for diplomacy. On the conflict of interest, we have a major world issue that needs to be addressed by working with other countries in climate chaos. The individual being nominated is deeply embedded with a strong history of working very, very closely with the fossil fuel industry and does not seem open to wrestling with this incredible threat to America and the world. In terms of respect for the rule of law, when I laid out for him that the three premises that are in the War Powers Act for the use of force. He indicated that uh, he didn't think those were the premises, that in fact it was uh, fine under Article Two of the Constitution for the President to go beyond the framework of law. And third, on the suitability for diplomacy, uh, his uh, clearer decision uh, that the diplomacy should be undone regard to Iran that has uh, created a, a major barrier from them reaching a nuclear weapon. Uh, from his uh, statement that we have a better strategy, which is the use of 2,000 sorties, uh, that is not the role of a diplomat. And from his attacks on Muslim Americans, LGBTQ Americans. So for those three reasons, I think he's not the right person for this position. And it was our responsibility, as Hamilton laid out, is the person a fit character for the position? And on these three items, I do not think he is. I understand if it comes to this side, people are going to be speaking at length. I, I, do do y'all want to keep going? I've got an about an hour-long speech here if I'm going next. Anybody want me to go for an hour or can we vote? Okay, why, why don't we vote and then we can make our speeches? We have, a, we have a vote going on in the cha chamber right now. M Mr. So. Chairman, this is the Secretary of State nominee. I, I'm glad to let everyone speak. So I, I think people should have the opportunity to establish the record for themselves, since they will cast a significant vote here. And I'm willing to stay until whatever hour it's necessary to have those votes. Let people have their say, and then we can have a vote. I guess I'll go next. Bring the coffee. Um, an idle threat. Uh, I'll, I'll not repeat what I think uh, the chairman made excellent points uh, and the other two Republicans that have spoken and Senator Paul. But uh, I guess I'd just kind of like to ask my Democrat colleagues, I'm not going to question anybody's individual motive for potentially voting no, but based on the qualification of this nominee, what nominee would you vote yes for? So again, this has always been the case, uh, you know, certainly from my standpoint, when I voted for Secretary Kerry, I, I mean, I had 16 ways on Sunday I could have justified a no vote there. But again, I thought the President of the United States deserves to be surrounded by advisors that agrees with the President. 
not necessarily a particular member, particularly not one from the opposition party. So, you know, certainly we on this side have generally taken the viewpoint that even if it's president of the opposing party, we will vote affirmatively to vote to confirm secretaries of state of, of that president's party that agrees with the president, not necessarily with us. So, again, I don't, I don't know what nominee would actually pass mustard here, so I have to say collectively, not, again, questioning anybody's individual motives, but collect, collectively, this is a deeply partisan action being taken by Democrats, and it's, it's very disappointing. And the other point I want to make is I've sat through a number of committee hearings and other nominations where members of the other side have expressed deep concern about the fact the State Department simply has not been uh, staffed properly. That we, we, this administration hasn't provided nominees to carry out the, and conduct the business of the State Department. Now, some of those concerns, I think, are legitimate. I think some of those are grossly overblown, but when you take a look at uh, Director Pompey's record within the, the, the CIA, you have to take a look at it and say, he'll be excellent for filling those positions and bringing a fully functioning State Department. So again, um, maybe in the future now, those individuals who vote against this nominee, I, I guess I hope I don't have to listen through or listen to a bunch of complaints about a State Department that just isn't being staffed properly because you're basically voting no on a nominee who I think will do an excellent job of staffing the State Department. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. One of the reasons that I would hope we would hold our comments uh, to a degree until after the vote is I'm going to ask for something uh, as a courtesy to the committee in a moment. I don't want us to harden ourselves uh, against each other before that time, but I'm, I'm more than glad to, uh, to listen to other comments if that's what people want to do. Yes, sir. And Mr. Chair, I'll be, I'll be brief. Um, this is not about policy difference. I have voted for plenty of people in this administration who I have differences in policy with. I voted for Director Pompeo to be head of the CIA because I think he's very suited to be the head of an intel agency. But just like I don't want to vote for anti-science people to be the head of science agencies or anti-education people to be the head of education agencies, I don't want to vote for people who are anti-diplomatic to be the nation's chief diplomat. Many people oppose the Iran deal. I only know of one who said, we don't need to worry about doing a deal. It's only going to take 2,000 bombing runs to wipe out Iran's nuclear capacity. I only know of one person who said that, and it was Congressman Pompeo. Many people oppose and find reason to oppose, legitimate reason to oppose, the regimes in Iran and North Korea, I know of very few who say it should be official U.S. policy to change those regimes. This is the chief diplomat. He has urged us to back out of U.S. diplomatic commitment, both to the Paris Accords and the Iran deal. I'm on the Armed Services Committee. We have Secretary Mattis, who I think we all respect, sitting at a table at the Armed Services Committee who says Iran is complying with the deal and staying in the deal is in the national interest of the United States. This is not about policy difference. I voted for people who are against the Iran deal for other positions, but in the chief diplomatic position, to have somebody who thought military action was preferable to diplomacy, who thinks regime change should be an instrument of foreign policy, and who takes such a contrary to position to the, to the person that I think is probably the indispensable voice of this administration, on matters of national security, I just, I just cannot vote yes, and I'll vote no for those reasons. Yeah. It looks like we're good. I'd like to move through the business. Um, 
that we have before us if we could. Without objection, I'd like to move to the non-controversial items on the agenda. Uh, Mr. Thomas Husick to be the ambassador to South Sudan. Ms. Kirsten Dawn Madison to be Assistant Secretary of State for International Narcotics and Law Enforcement Affairs and the five FSO list as modified. I've had the pleasure of working with Kirsten Madison when she was Deputy Staff Director for this committee, and I know that she will do an outstanding job at the State Department. Is there a motion to report favorably the Husick and Madison nominations in the five FSO list Mr. President. as modified and blocked by voice vote? Mr. Chairman. Yes, sir. Uh, <clears throat> first, um, uh, for myself, I'm supporting all of these nominees, I ask that the statements that I would have, in order to help you move along, I ask that the statements I would have made uh, as it relates to each of these nominees be included in the record, and I will make that motion. Thank you. Is there a second? So moved and seconded the questions on the motion to report favorably the, the nominations in FSO list. All in favor will say aye. Aye. All opposed, with that, the ayes have it. The nominations in the FSO lists are agreed to. We will now move to the nomination of Mike Pompeo to be Secretary of State. Mr. Chairman. Yes. I'll move that we uh, send that uh, nomination out uh, favorably to the floor. The clerk will call the roll. Aye. Mr. Rubio? Aye. Mr. Johnson? Aye. Mr. Flames? Aye. Mr. Gardner? Aye. Mr. Young? Aye. Mr. Barasa? Aye. Mr. Isaacson? Aye. What's up? Aye. By proxy. Mr. Portman? Mr. Paul? Aye. Mr. Mendez? No. Mr. Cardin? No. Mr. Janine? So for the, uh, for the committee members and those who are tuning in, the way the committee rules work, in order to vote a nominee out favorably, the majority of votes have to come from people who are present. Johnny Isaacson gave the eulogy today for his best friend, and he will not be back until about 11.30 this evening. I know that uh, all of the members have been able to express themselves in the way they see fit. We have 11 ayes and 10 noes. We can do this several different ways. Um, it's pretty historic to send a Secretary of State to the floor without a positive recommendation. It can be done in other ways. We all know the other ways it can be done. But when you consider the fact that one of our most respected members, uh, Johnny Isaacson, who's, I know, accommodated many of us on many occasions, probably had paired votes with other people when they couldn't be here. He voted present so that the outcome would be the way that it 
was supposed to be if everyone was here. I would ask the indulgence of the committee, knowing that we have 11 members who voted yes and 10 members who voted no, I would ask that the committee, understanding the historic nature of this, I would ask that the committee, by voice vote, by voice vote, send this nominee to the floor with a positive recommendation, knowing that if Johnny Isaacson were here, our valued member, he were here, or if we were holding this vote at 1130 tonight, this nominee would go to the floor with a positive recommendation. Mr. Chairman. Mr. Chairman, um, we all have a great deal of respect for Senator Isaacson, uh, but this is a vote on the Secretary of State. The parliamentarian has told us that a voice vote that is truly a 10-10 vote uh, is not a vote that, even on a voice vote, that can move forward to the floor and would create an infirmity on the floor as it relates to the nominee. So unless, a, and, and it would put us in the position of having to vote yes when we clearly don't support the nominee uh, to move the uh, to the floor it, with a positive recommendation. So uh, I, 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 I would move, I would move by, by recorded vote. A recorded vote would still leave you in a tie, a 10-10. That's that's our problem, Mr. Chairman. Yeah, I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna we've all re, we've all recorded our votes. Every Democrat has voted no. Every Republican has voted yes. I'm gonna yes. Mr. Chairman, uh, Chris, I, I, I think that's one idea. The, the other way would be is everybody has had an opportunity to express their vote, as the chairman has said. I think what I would do is I'd ask unanimous consent that, notwithstanding the rules of the committee, the nomination be sent to the floor with the vote as recorded uh, here in the committee. reserving the right to object. I, I don't know. My concern is beginning to set precedence in the committee that then can be used subsequently. So if the chair wants to adjourn for a few minutes so that we can understand whether a unanimous consent request, which we obviously understand in the full body but not in the committee, is acceptable to do under the rules, uh, you know, we can see whether that can be entertained. But I don't want to create a precedent uh, that ultimately the the majority will recite to us after we agree to it and say, well, you agreed to it this time, why not another time? Mr. Chairman, uh, if I could include in my unanimous consent request that, uh, that this is only due to the special, unique circumstances of today and that it not be used as precedent in any future uh, action. Let us, uh, let us take a five-minute adjournment, if we could, and, and uh, we will... We will reconvene in five minutes. So this is uh, the, the state of play. The rule regarding members being present is not a committee rule, it's a Senate rule. Therefore, uh, committee action cannot overrule that. Senator Isaacson's plane lands at 10.15. We can just hold the meeting open until that time. 
the reason for doing that would be, as I mentioned in my introductory comments, uh, it does appear that, that uh, Mike Pompeo has the votes to become Secretary of State. I think we acknowledge that we have members, uh, enough Democratic members, that he will be voted on in a positive way. If we wait until tomorrow morning to vote, which we can do, and I appreciate so much our ranking member and others accommodating the fact that we set up a backup meeting in the event we had difficulties this evening. Then we have, we have the issue of floor time, cloture votes. We know at least somebody in the Senate just takes one person will cause us to burn the clock. And so we have this NATO summit, foreign, minister, foreign ministers summit that's happening on Friday. We also have other issues that are happening. So the, the, the way this, in, in normal ways, might happen, normal times, would be if any Democratic member would vote present. We had an indication of that, just vote present. We could vote, we could vote our CIA director out on a positive vote, positive recommendation. Everybody's already re recorded their votes. Um, it seems to me that that's the will of the committee. That is the will of the committee. We have one respected member giving a eulogy at a funeral. All of us have had to do the same. And it seems to me, just from the standpoint of history and the permanent status of this coming out of committee, being a part of history, and since we know the committee itself, an 11-10 vote wants to vote this member, this person out on a positive vote, if I had an indication that one member would vote president, present, then we could go ahead and do this. Um, if not, we could stay and stay until 11 o'clock tonight or 11:30 and vote. Um, I'm open to either one. Mr. Chairman, the reason that I raised the question in the first place because I was concerned about precedent, and sure enough, yeah. we would have been in the midst of establishing a precedent against the rules and an infirmity of the nomination on the floor. So if I really wanted to stop this, I would have let you do it so that we'd have an infirmity on the floor. So it's not being... Well, actually, I had people whispering in not, my ear the other not side. Being, so not being... not like we're not that prepared. But having said that, I, I think that, in, uh, you know, uh, instead of uh, asking any member who feels strongly about this vote, that we keep the vote open till tonight. That will allow you to achieve the goal of having Senator Isaacson cast his vote. You will have the appropriate vote that you wish to send it to the floor. You will not lose time because we will still be within the calendar day. So for the floor process, nothing will be affected. So I think that's the, that's the other process that could be achieved here. Okay, well, that's fine with me. Um, so we, we have a situation where we cannot do roving votes because the same infirmity could occur on the floor. So that will mean the, the, the committee meeting, any member can, we, aside from knowing these other things that are infirmities, we're aware that a roving vote, a rolling vote, um, another member can come to the floor that's not a member of the committee and consider that invalid if there's not a quorum present. All they have to do is ask, is a quorum, was a quorum present when the vote took place? So we really can't do that either. So I would just uh, um, look forward to us voting uh, 
again tonight at 11 o'clock. And um, if um, if members want to go vote, um, I will Mr. call. Chairman. Yes, sir. Uh, having having heard earlier this afternoon a request from my dear friend Senator Isaacson, uh, whom I esteem greatly, uh, this was not the fact pattern we had expected. Uh, given the public statements by a number of the members of this committee, we expected to be in a different uh, fact pattern. Uh, I am recorded as voting against Mike Pompeo for Secretary of State, but I will vote present to allow him to move forward now without us having to wait until 11 o'clock at night because that just seems, frankly, I, I respect the ranking member's legitimate concerns about not creating precedent or infirmity, but to force all of us to reconvene at 11 o'clock tonight. Uh, I've spoken to Johnny. I know how uh, very demanding and draining this eulogy was for him today. I will vote present. Well, that is... Uh That is what I would have expected. Thank you. Thank you so much. With that, the clerk will call the roll. And this is on the recommendation to send Mike Pompeo out to the Senate, to the full Senate, with a positive recommendation. Mr. Rich. Aye. Mr. Rubio. Aye. Mr. Johnson. Aye. Mr. Blake. Aye. Mr. Gardner. Aye. Mr. Young. Aye. Mr. Barrasso. Aye. Mr. Isaacson. Aye. I'm by proxy. Mr. Portman. Yes. Mr. Chairman, the tally is 11 ayes, 9 noes, and 1 present. We were reporting to the floor in a positive manner. I want to thank members of this committee uh, for the diligence uh, they've displayed. Um, I think we've done the right thing to, together. I want to thank Senator Coons for being a statesman. With that, with that, that completes the committee's business. I understand. I ask unanimous consent that the staff be authorized to make technical and conforming changes without objection, so ordered. With that, without objection, the committee will stand adjourned.